Welcome to the Talking Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Will Cheshire. And in this podcast, I speak with impact-driven founders and share their real-time stories about how their solution has a positive impact on society. This is a show for founders, investors, and all individuals looking for some positivity and optimism as you hear from people working hard to help better our society and our planet. You can expect to learn about some awesome new products and services in this show that will bring you more hope in our quest to solve some of society's biggest issues. Let's dive in to this week's episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast. In the 33rd episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast, I'm sitting down with the founder of Cluey, Mary Claire Manor, to talk about how Cluey provides a solution that empowers consumers with information to make a greater impact through everyday purchases. I think this is a fantastic solution because it helps streamline information and data to educate consumers on which brands align with their values. And let's be honest, transparency has been an issue in the past in how brands operate their business. And Cluey's solution makes it easy for us as consumers to see how our favorite brands are impacting people and the planet. So let's learn more in this episode of the Talking Solutions podcast. Mary Claire, thank you so much for taking some time to, to speak with me today and, and to really share your expertise uh, and your solution for what you're doing over at Cluey. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Will. Happy to be here. Fantastic. And Mary Claire, what you got going on, I think is really, really cool with Cluey and sustainability and brands and consumerism and all those types of things uh, kind of moving forward into one. Can you just kind of share the solution a little bit and what exactly Cluey encompasses and, and what your kind of mission is with uh, Cluey? Sure. So, you know, I started realizing quite a while ago that one of my biggest sources of power as an individual was in my wallet and that I was giving away that power on a daily basis and often doing so unknowingly to companies that maybe were operating out of sync with the values that I personally care about. And my background is as a journalist. I used to work for CNN in New York as well as a former researcher for a primary research firm out of San Francisco. And so I knew that the information on, you know, how companies were operating, what they were doing, how they were treating workers and the planet was out there, but it just wasn't available to the everyday consumer in an accessible, digestible, or even reliable manner. Um, and the current ecosystem of information is a broken fire hydrant. It is so saturated with PR, with misinformation, with disinformation, that there's just no way for a consumer who wants to align their purchasing power more with their values to do so in an informed way. And so that really was the problem and ultimately where I found the opportunity to create a solution. And so Cluey is basically democratizing that access to centralized and reliable information on how brands and companies operate. Yeah, that's so interesting when you really talk about things and, and how it's kind of evolved a little bit with our ability and the tools that we kind of have out there to to kind of take a look at brands and things of that nature as well. I'd be curious to, to hear what your initial impressions were when you were kind of going through and, and seeing some of these brands and, you know, your like you mentioned, just trying to put the power into the consumer, you know, when you were looking at some of these brands and whatnot and and how sustainable they were or ethical they were, or blah, blah. Uh, what was your initial reaction? Was it kind of like most brands were good? Most brands were in between and, or most brands were kind of like, oof, a lot of, a lot of work to do here. You know, it was a mixed bag. Um, there are plenty of surprises that I came across in uh, my research and in creating a, this, you know, building Cluey from, from the ground up. And uh, those surprises came in both pleasant surprises as well as kind of icky surprises. Um, and I, I think it's, you know, the most important thing to ultimately consider is that everything is just not immediately available and transparent just on the surface. So when you're looking at like a shampoo bottle or you're looking at, um, you know, a snack bar or something, you can read as much as is available on the packaging right then and there, but there's so much more behind it. And I think that that's ultimately where Cluey can help to uncover some of that, whether it's uncovering, you know, who ultimately is the parent company behind this. There's a lot of times where brands are presented in a store and you're walking down a, an aisle and you see like the bread aisle, for example, and you see over a hundred different brands of bread in the grocery store, 
But little do most people know that like 90% of those bread brands, or at least in in my store locally here, about 65% of the bread brands out of the countless brands that are available to me are all owned by one ultimate parent company. Even the brands that just differentiate themselves with certain practices or certain uh, logos or colors or names. And that's just unknown by most people. And it's not to the fault of the individual. It was set up that way to, uh, to create this illusion of choice. And so for me, going through this process and kind of starting the research process, getting you know, our data up and running and, and, and pulling all these data sources together, I think the most surprising thing was how, you know, how much information is out there and how it's just lying right beneath the surface. And that's really all that we're trying to do is we're trying to bring it out from the surface. So um, you know, whether or not you know, where brands lie, I would say it's totally a mixed bag. Like you have plenty of companies that are operating, you know, we, we score our uh, brands on an A through F scale for people and planet impacts. And you have plenty that are operating in the um, D and F ranges, but you have plenty that are operating in the middle and you even have a good amount, plenty enough to make good purchases on a regular basis operating in the, in the B and higher um, impacts. So, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely possible. Not everything is possible. There's no such thing as a perfect consumer or a perfect consumer choice, but there are often better consumer choices. And that's really what we're trying to highlight. Right. Really kind of empower that consumer to get as much knowledge as possible to kind of make that educated decision. However, that choice is that they may be, may be. I think that's fantastic. I'm, I'm really curious to, to know though, within the brands, cause I don't know if everybody knows this. I mean, you mentioned just seeing, you know, having a, a company that has a parent company and then they have 10 different brands and the illusion of choice, like you mentioned. So what are, what is everything you would say that kind of goes into a good sustainable an ethical brand, right? So like when you take your your planet, your your people and your impact and the score, you know, what are all the things that maybe people don't know that go into it? You know, obviously you have the ingredients, you maybe have supply chain, but you just kind of educate us a little bit on, on everything that kind of goes into that, that, that maybe people should think about. You know, obviously they should just use yours because you do it all for them, right? But just so they kind of know, you know, what things to look for. Absolutely. I think the best way to frame a mindset towards how is this brand doing in terms of impacting the world around me is to think about that brand's stakeholders. And a stakeholder is ultimately defined as someone who has an who has a vested interest in that business because they're being impacted in one way or another. So I like to think about stakeholders uh, as a few different players. Um, on the people side, the stakeholders can include customers. So when it comes to impacts on customers, are these brands you know, constantly being recalled for consumer safety issues, right? Are they including, are they being transparent about the ingredients included? That's a lot of stuff that would affect a customer uh, or a consumer stakeholder. Then there's workers, uh, the employees who make the products. How are those employees being treated? Are they being treated equitably? Are they, um, you know, are they uh, being given the equal rights of certain protections that are provided to them under various laws? Um, and then even with workers, similarly is the supplier stakeholder. So many companies don't own all the processes that, you know, make up their end product. They might outsource certain raw materials to various suppliers, certain manufacturing to various suppliers. But in the same way that, you know, you want to evaluate whether a brand is treating its workers fairly, equitably, and safely, you also want to ensure that those same provisions are being given to all the suppliers working on that brand's ultimate end product up and down the supply chain. So if they're outsourcing to suppliers in, let's say, other countries where the brand is farther removed from the process, do they have a way of ensuring that the suppliers are acting ethically towards their workers? Um, then of course, another personal or a people stakeholder is the shareholder. The shareholder are investors in the company. Um, for many brands who are owned by publicly traded companies, that means people who own that company's stock on the stock market. You know, are the brands treating those stakeholders uh, equitably? I know that that probably doesn't come off to people as like, why would I care if a brand is treating their wealthy investors equitably or not? But that's important too, because that's things like, are they transparent with their financial disclosures? Are they engaging in anything such as financial fraud? If a company is willing to do 
you know, kind of cross into gray areas in some in some areas of ethics or business ethics, that probably means they're willing to cross into gray areas elsewhere. So those are all people stakeholders. Then you have other types of stakeholders, like the environment, the planet on which those companies operate. Are they sourcing materials responsibly um, from ecosystems and habitats and not destroying them? Are they testing on animals in the process? Are they destroying communities um, and polluting communities when they dispose of waste, et cetera? So those are all examples of stakeholders that could be impacted by a company. Now, certain companies have different relevancies with stakeholders, like Facebook, for example, creates a tech product uh, that you access uh, on the web, right? They're not necessarily um, uh, extracting raw materials to physically make something. So Facebook stakeholders look a little bit different, but something that's really important about Facebook stakeholders are, are they protecting their consumers in terms of privacy, in terms of access to um, you know, misinformation, disinformation. That's a great example where stakeholders have a different set of relevancy depending on what it is that the company does. So that's what I would encourage consumers is critically think about who are the stakeholders impacted by this company and what they do and how is that company performing um, in terms of protecting all of those stakeholders. Right. Yeah. You raised so many good points there about um, just really just the amount, number one, of factors to really consider, which is why you have such a great solution, right? Because you can really give the consumer all that information without them having to go do the homework and doing all that, right? So that's obviously a great thing there. But yeah, you mentioned all those things, whether it goes to the stakeholders, the environment, the planet, you know, and obviously a big problem that we've had. And, you know, really, I guess the last hundred plus years of, roughly the the age of consumerism more more specifically the last 50 60 where it really just was all businesses needed were profits unfortunately they did so by kind of cutting corners and maybe not being the most ethical especially with all the information we're getting about the planet and the environment and uh, everything that kind of goes into there now that we're more educated too so i also want to kind of ask um before we hop into the specifics of your solution and why everyone should use it because we've just defined you know the issues that's there and, and how you can use your platform to really get all that information and be more educated on that front but i'd be curious to learn a little bit too about what you've been seeing from brands more specifically maybe within the last 10 years five years or so and kind of seeing if your if your opinion if they're starting to all trend kind of more so in this more sustainable, more ethical kind of process kind of going forward, because you mentioned the shareholders and, and you mentioned how if it's a public traded company, you know, a lot of us and a lot of people, especially since the pandemic, at least in the US, have really started to jump in on kind of retail investing, right? And kind of going into their own individual stocks. And a lot of them want their brands and their companies to do well. So in your opinion, do you kind of see the brands kind of trending upwards in a positive direction about this? Or would you say it's kind of stayed neutral or maybe even worse a decline? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I'll be the first to say that if you are somebody who's jumping into the world of conscious consumerism and getting your feet wet, like the first thing that probably happens to you is a feeling of despair to some extent. Because once you start to open up, like peel back the curtains on all of this stuff, there's so much to uncover. I mean, just think about all the TV shows, all the Netflix shows that have been dramatized to showcase how corporate greed can go so wrong. Absolutely, there's a lot of problems that we're facing in the world today. And absolutely, money and, and how that interacts within our society is usually behind some of those problems. And we can tie back you know, bad actors, whether intentionally or unintentionally being the cause of those problems. But the hopeful thing to state is that never before have I seen this level of consumer interest, of business interest, truly making a shift towards more responsible, uh, a more responsible way of operating. And what I what I genuinely believe as consumer sentiment changes, especially as younger consumer generations, like millennials and Gen Z are, you know, making this more of a priority in how they spend their purchasing power. I think that that means that companies will have no other option if they want to survive, but to act in an according and accordance way. So, to to be clear and kind of to talk back on what you were saying, like if you looked back over the last five to seven decades in the U.S. specifically 
you can see consumerism making big shifts and not just consumerism, but corporate behavior also making big shifts. Basically, in a post-World War II era, you know, we were as a country in a position where stimulating our economy was huge. So consumerism seemed to be the answer for doing that, producing more goods at a faster pace and getting people to buy more. If you think back to maybe when your grandparents or great grandparents were buying things like kitchen appliances, those kitchen appliances lasted for like a hundred, could last for literally a hundred years. Like they were made to last. Appliances and things today, like this thing right here, I have to get a new one every two years. And that's done on purpose to consistently incentivize the system of stimulating our economy, which is based on consumerism. Now, you know, whether you think that's a bad thing or a good thing, we're not necessarily here to make that judgment call. But what we are here to say is like, this is the reality that we live in. And there's probably a better way that it can currently happen. And we think that companies that are responding to that challenge and who are shifting that narrative of, okay, it shouldn't be profits at all costs. Um, you know, we shouldn't look at workers as a cost line versus an asset. You know, all these different things that companies can do better. Um, those companies who are answering that call and answering that challenge are becoming leaders in their industry. They're getting more, they're being rewarded with more business by consumers. Um, they're being touted as thought leaders in conferences and industry associations. Um, and what that does is it creates a paradigm shift that you're either you're either going to fall behind if you don't get on board with this new change. So I think that there's a lot of hope. I also think that there's a lot of reason to have despair, but that's kind of always been the case in human history. You really just have to choose to be an informed optimist. And an optimist not in a toxic way, an optimist in an informed and strategic way because I really do think that that's how we're going to kind of move past uh, these areas into a brighter and more hopeful future. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head really with all that whole explanation because, you know, everything in human history is incremental change, right? I mean, we're it's weird because we're wired to expect things for now. Like, let's see that change now. But it, it doesn't work that way. It's got to be incremental. So I really like your thing about being an optimist, but an informed optimist with it as well, because, you know, that's the best way forward. And, you know, just to kind of add on to your point, I, I think that brands are going to continue to change. You mentioned the millennials and Gen Z. Uh, you know, it, there's no denying in that statistically speaking. There we go. I'm the podcast host and I can't even speak English correct. Um, <laughs> moving forward is they all care much more about this than maybe the older generations where I shouldn't say maybe they don't care about it more, but they're more informed. We have the knowledge now and the information before this information wasn't available. So I also think that when they get into more power, they're moving into leadership positions. We'll see that kind of change as well. But I love it. I can, we can talk all day about the problem, but let's get down to the solution and that optimism that you talked about and how Cluey is, is kind of empowering that consumer a little bit for this information, for this knowledge. Of course, you've already mentioned it a little bit about how the platform works when it kind of analyzes things like the people, uh, analyzes things, the planet and the overall impact on that front as well. What went into the decisions? What went into uh, all of that kind of logic and, and thought process into, okay, these are all the things that we have to do to come in and and make an overall score uh, on a letter grading scale, A through F, uh, you know, what was kind of the thought process behind that? Why is that the method that you did? And, and why do you think that's such a great kind of scoring system to inform the consumers on Cluey? Let's take a quick time out in this episode. And I want to talk about a new feature for the podcast that I have just released. I teased it a couple weeks ago, and now it is officially out. You can sign up for the Talking Solutions podcast newsletter. That's right, I have created a newsletter and you'll be able to get more content from all of these amazing founders and entrepreneurs, investors, and things of that nature delivered directly to your inbox. So what does that mean? What type of content can you expect to see within the email newsletter here? Well, number one, you'll be the first to know when a new podcast episode drops every Wednesday and get some exclusive content about that episode. And you'll get a weekly wrap up of positive news of the week. We'll also be featuring a founder of the week as well in addition to this. And then we'll have a weekly recap of the world of social entrepreneurship that I will be providing based on what I'm seeing and reading in the world today. We'll also have some book, podcast, documentary recommendations for you as well, all related, of course, to impact-driven solutions that will help better society in the world today. And then, of course, featured episodes and much, much 
more. You can sign up today by going over to the Instagram Talking Solutions podcast and going into the link in bio as well. You can also find it on the website at cheshtech.com backslash Talking Solutions podcast. Looking forward to interacting with you in the Talking Solutions newsletter. And of course, if you have any recommendations or things that you want to see, do not hesitate to let me know. My goal is to provide valuable content for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is all driven for what it's worth. Any strategic decisions that we've made of how we display the information, how we gather the information, um, where even we gather it from to some extent is driven by our users and our consumers' desires. And when I say our consumers, I really mean consumers of our technical product. We don't make anything uh, physical, to be clear. Um, But, but, but those desires, you know, came from countless interviews and phone calls and Zoom meetings um, of what people really cared about. And there's a couple of things that we learned. The first is that people care about a lot of different things, particularly in the U.S. It's not like we are, you know, we are a very uh, individualistic country. Um, people have unique values and and they're very, in some cases, regionalized by where they live. In some cases, it's very um, maybe gender specific by based on their lived experiences or based on, you know, a, a variety of other factors that might affect different people differently. Um, and so what that showed to us is that we wanted to be as holistic as possible in the impacts that we were showing. And it couldn't just be, you know, environmental impacts, even though that's obviously a very big um Uh, part of this equation, but we knew that there were going to be plenty of people who cared more about what politicians are these brands donating to than maybe they cared about the environment. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to provide as much access to as much information as possible in a digestible way, um, but breaking out those points. So that way, if somebody was really driven by environmentalism, they they could dive deeper into that with our product. If they were really driven by political impacts, they could dive deeper into that, whatever, whatever the issue may be. Some people are very single issue uh, driven. You know, we have one of the most popular single issues that amongst our users is um, not wanting to buy products with, you know, that, that aren't cruelty free. They care deeply about animal cruelty, you know, so there's so many different things that people really, really sink their teeth into. And so we wanted to first find the best in class sources that were out there. That's really where my background as a journalist and as a former researcher came in. Um, you know, I like to say that my expertise is in finding expertise. Um, so figuring out, interviewing people, uh, interviewing experts on what data sources they see as the best of the best in the industry for, you know, what's the best label for animal cruelty, for example, or cruelty-free? What's the best What's the best ESG ratings provider? Um, and I'd be happy to kind of talk about ESG a little bit more if, if that's needed. What's the best uh, source for identifying, um, you know, uh, fair mark, um, excuse me, fair trade uh, labels, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many different labels and there's an alphabet soup of different ratings and standards that are out there today. So the first step was finding the best of all of those options. Then once we found the best, we aggregated it into their relevant segments. So we have a few different areas that are like our top line segments. There's people and planet impacts. Those are separated out and they're scored on an A through F basis. We chose that rating system because many people in the US, which is where our starting market is, is used to a letter grade system from elementary school, high school, et cetera. So that was a familiar, you know, everyone knows that an F is not good and and an A is preferred. Um, So that's where we got kind of that, those two pieces from. And those pieces are aggregated from multiple sources. All in all, those sources are derived from about a thousand different inputs. Then on the political side, um, we didn't want to, uh, you know, have a letter grade because we didn't want to say, oh, only buy from certain brands or products that contribute to one party or another. We wanted to make that apolitical in how we were displaying it. So that's just like a progress, uh, not a progress bar, excuse me, a um, percentage bar. So you could see that the parent company of this brand has contributed X amount in the last three federal election cycles to, you know, this party over that party. So that's how that's displayed. And then there's all these other little things that we um, include and plan to include in upcoming updates with our product. So if somebody wants to buy from only women-owned brands, you know, including data sources like that as well. So that way people can really 
kind of pick and choose, uh, you know, choose their own adventure of what matters most to them, recognizing that everyone's values are different and allowing and empowering those people to buy in line with those values is ultimately the goal. Yeah, and it's really kind of aligned too with uh, how a lot of Americans consider their uh, their values in and of itself, right? The freedom and freedom of choice, except now you're just giving them all of the information to make that freedom of choice into something that they really are passionate about or they want on that front as well. So I want to get a little bit more kind of an, an interpretation maybe on the ratings, if you will, uh, on an A through F scale. Uh, so is it kind of, you know, is it like a very good B, A is excellent, C is average, D is below average, F is awful type type thing? Is that how people kind of can interpret it? Or is it kind of subjective where you just kind of like, oh, I only want B++ brands or, or kind of how does that work? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the way the way we think about it is A is great, um, B is good. Um, now, and, and to be clear, when I say great and good, you know, uh, if somebody has a, if a brand has a B score for the planet, you know, buying that product is still going to have a environmental footprint impact on the planet. It's still going to, you know, require resource extraction. It's still going to, you know, require packaging and shipping. Like it's still going to have some sort of impact. So just because it might be rated B, it's kind of like, it's good relative to the optionality that you have. Um, but then uh, C is like, yeah, basically it's like average. Uh, D is is below average, and F is failing. So um, similar to how you would again interpret uh, those grades within a academics uh, system. Um, but yeah, the, the, I think the goal is to encourage people at least to aim towards brands that are scoring higher, um, if if possible, if the option is available. Um, for a better alternative. A good example where maybe that option isn't available necessarily could be like with oil and gas companies. You know, I don't think anyone's going to come onto our platform and expect to find, or I hope no one's coming onto our platform expecting to find an oil and gas brand like Shell or Chevron or Exxon that rates a B or an A You're not, or even a C. You're not going to find that um, for impacts on the planet. It's known that obviously oil and gas is a huge contributor to the fossil fuel industry is a huge contributor to climate change. So obviously their grades are going to be lower, but there are, I believe, uh, you know, I had to double check and anyone can go look right now at clueconsumer.com. There are lesser evil brands in that regard. Like you can find a brand that uh, an oil and gas brand that might be a D uh, over an F, you know, or might be a, a D minus or something like that. But what that ultimately does is that allows somebody to say, hey, I'm going to support, you know, I recognize I don't have a choice in not buying gas, but like I'm going to try and support as uh, go as responsible as I can in my choice. And the difference between those two companies could be something as simple as one company chose to make a commitment to, uh, you know, including more renewable energy in their practices over the next 10 years where another company, you know, didn't make any plans for renewable energy and just wanted to stick with the status quo. That's a perfect example of a company being a leader over a laggard in an industry and how those scores can be interpreted differently as such. I mean, I think that's a really, really great and something that I think kind of gets overlooked sometimes. You know, you every, everybody's aligned and, and I don't have enough information on this at all. So, you know, don't take anything I say as like verbatim in fact, but you know, you, you take those big kind of oil companies and things like that. And the immediate thing is, oh, they're terrible. It's awful. It's bad. Uh, yes. Historically speaking in that context, it has not been good. But like you said, there are companies in that realm that are trying to become more sustainable, trying to adapt and move forward. And, and I think it's fantastic that you rate for that as well, right. because that's, that's definitely something that they should be rewarded for as companies that are trying to listen to their consumers and public shareholders, whatever it might be. Uh, on that front. And to be clear, I'm not by any means championing oil and gas. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> but I'm no, just no. saying, yeah. you know, I'm living in reality. And I think that's ultimately what Clue tries to do is we live in the reality that we currently exist in and we need to meet consumers where they're at. Um, so to expect that consumers could, everybody all of a sudden could just, you know, stop living on oil and gas overnight is, is not pragmatic and it's not reasonable to expect. But what we can do is we can move the needle by, uh, you know, affecting collectively the bottom line of certain companies to encourage change. Right. And you get that sustainable consumer, just like you're kind of talking about on that front. And, and, and again, it's in the power of choice and it's the real time data. Like you said, it's not um, thinking what something should be 10 years from now. Instead, it's like, hey, this is the information. This is the data. 
and use your wallet. You're the consumer. I've given you that power. I've given you the knowledge and the information. And now let's make a make a real change, especially on the things that you're interested in. On the flip side of that, uh, what can can what can users and customers of your platform uh, kind of expect from the type of brands that are available to to analyze and whatnot, and that they get scores from? Because I, I reckon you can't have all of them this time, right? And going forward, so how do you kind of choose the brands that get involved in your platform that you're able to rate and things of that nature? Definitely not. We don't have everything on the platform, um, but you know what, we are trying to be as holistic, as I said, as possible. So while we might not have ratings for necessarily every single company that exists, what we want to do is we want to have almost every single brand that exists on our platform. Um, and that's a process. You know, we've uh, doubled the size of our database from 2,000 brands to almost, well, now almost 5,000 brands um, that you can search across 63 consumer categories. I mean, all in all, those 5,000 brands are probably... You know, those are just brands, but they're probably responsible or, uh, you know, they probably represent hundreds of thousands of actual products. Like think about something like Mrs. Meyer's Clean Day. You know, they have like the spray bottle product. They have a sponge product. They have like the toilet bowl cleaner product. Like, you know, there's many products underneath a brand's uh, umbrella and there are many brands underneath companies' umbrellas. So the goal is to get just about everything in there. Um, you know, whether or not we'll have ratings on them is, is certainly something that we're continuing to work on. Most of our data is derived from various sources that rely on whether or not a, you know, a, pump, a company is publicly traded. That's op oftentimes where you can get a lot of this data if a company is publicly traded versus privately owned. However, on the flip side, companies that are privately owned who are choosing to uh, disclose their data through other forms of ratings, ratings agencies or um, impact assessment tools, we're able to get that data as well. Um, so we're not just limited to publicly traded uh, companies' data. Like we have more than than that, but over time, that's something that we're looking to build. And the other thing too is like we might not have a people and planet rating um, on necessarily every company, but something we will have is like we do have access to political contribution uh, history for every company because that's something that's federally regulated by law here in the U.S. So that's something that we can access data on regardless of if you're private or public or whatever. The other thing that we can do is find other data sources that might not necessarily affect a people or planet rating, um, but we could access through, you know, uh, other types of research that won't affect a people or planet score, but could be things like, is it a woman owned brand or um, is it a member of the Rainforest Alliance? You know, things like that, that we can add as just a little like tag on the brand description that people can say, hmm, okay, you know, I don't know what their people and planets for are, but I love that they are a cruelty-free brand. So I'm going to go ahead and, and buy it, even though I don't have all of the information. And that's really what we're trying to do. We're just trying to make this process a little bit easier. We're not going to be perfect. We're not going to have everything. Um, but we do believe that we have the most robust database, without a doubt, across the most consumer uh, purchases and categories out there. Yeah. And I would say that you're doing a lot, not just a little to to move forward, right? I mean, you're literally, I mean, I don't know about you, but, uh, or maybe the listeners thinking in their head right now as well, when you were describing everything that goes into, you know, the impact and understanding the different aggregate of data and stuff, that's a lot. And quite frankly, I just don't think many people would do that on their own. So I would think, I think it's fantastic solution that you got where you're just giving people all this information so that they can make a choice uh, that they feel is, is the best choice that they want for that brands, whether it's cruelty free, whether it's, um, you know, a company that's inching more towards renewables or whether it's, you know, woman owned, whatever it might be on that front. So I'd say that, you know, moving forward, you, you got a lot going on and, and awesome that the brands are kind of piling in as you get more and more information and data. Uh, on that kind of front as well from terms of the data set. What type of feedback have you been getting back from uh, the the consumers and the customers and, and the users of the platform and whatnot as well? Uh, you know, what are some of the, the things that you're learning about them uh, outside of the fact, obviously, that there's so much different things that they care about? But, you know, what about the platform are they really enjoying of getting those scores and the feedback? Yeah. So first thing I'll say on that is that, you know, our product exists across a few different touch points. Um, the most you know, I guess surface level place that you can access this type of information is directly on our website at cluiconsumer.com. But there's so many other ways that we engage with our users. Um, oftentimes when users log into Cluey or submit a profile into Cluey where they say, hey, these are the values I care about. You know, these are the brands I'm currently buying. We then leverage that data and we make it very clear to the user that we're leveraging that data to then start emailing them better brand recommendations. Um, you know, so we could say, hey, Will, you said that you really care about the environment. 
um, you should consider buying this brand over this brand, you know, for your uh, uh, toilet paper, right? Or, um, you know, a, another example is uh, one where consumers that this one has gotten a lot of traction from consumers uh, where there is a very popular shampoo brand that has currently a class action lawsuit out against it for a hair loss ingredient. And then there's another shampoo brand that's like, you know, best of the best when it comes to some of these ESG standards and a few other areas. And so we sent that email out to the individuals who really cared about some of those things like people impacts, consumer safety, et cetera. Um, and the amount of responses and, and texts that we got back being like, oh my God, this is in my shower right now and I'm throwing it out, you know, really showed that there's an appetite for that. And I think um, what's great about our latest cohort of uh, users that we had surveyed that received these emails, we asked how many of you have actually swapped a product in your home to a different product based on the information you learned on Cluey. And out of that group, 58% had made a swap. Um, so that's really telling that a majority, you know, of the people that we're able to, to get to are being influenced in one way or another to change their consumer behavior. Um, and that's, that's where I think the feedback is, is really exciting. But again, you know, like I said, there's many touch points where you can interact with Cluey. There's the website, it's got that surface level information, but if you want to dive deeper, um, you know, I highly encourage people to engage with all of our, uh, like onboarding and inputting their own information. So that way they can get emailed more and more. And obviously we're continuing to build the technology behind this. So we want to bring it all into the platform. We want to bring it into so many different touch points to users, but in its current form, if people engage with us, they get more uh, of an engagement out of Cluey as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The more they engage, the more that you get back, the recommendations and moving forward. 56%. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. 58. 58%. Okay. Yeah. My bad. Swap yes. Swap the product in their home because of Cluey. That's fantastic. Just getting yeah. that information. I love the recommendations where people are going to be able to just kind of get it in their inbox or whoever it may be. And, and that's a fantastic way for them to kind of be more educated going forward on their consumer choice. So we're moving into, at least in my eyes, what I've seen in my um, lifetime, and albeit I, I don't have a long adult lifespan where I actually would really know about the, the economy and things of that nature. But from what I've seen, we're really moving into more of a collective Right. I mean, we're seeing a lot more power going back into the hands of the consumer uh, with all the information and the ability through technology to aggregate this data so quickly and to kind of have an opportunity for us as consumers to kind of hold brands accountable or to at least have them, you know, put people and planet and all those types of things much higher on their list of priorities than maybe that profit beforehand kind of on that front too. So I think that that is also something that we're seeing change go forward. And I'd be curious for you as someone that's kind of uh, creating a more conscious consumer platform and, and analyzing that and, and seeing that number of what your opinion is on the current state of it now, maybe in the last couple of years and its growth, and then how you kind of see that uh, moving forward in the next decades. Well, I'll give you an example. 10 years ago, SC Johnson, which is the owner, parent company of uh, a very popular cleaning brand in the U.S. called Windex, um, had released a refillable Windex product where, you know, you only got the first bottle and then you would just go back and buy the refill pods or uh, whatever, but you wouldn't keep buying a new bottle of Windex. Um, they ended up dropping those plans and, and dropping that product at the time because consumers just weren't interested. There wasn't appetite at that time 10 years ago for a refillable Windex brand, which I just find to be so ironic because now you're seeing like, if you're at all in the sustainable consumerism space, you're probably getting 10 ads a day on social media of like this more sustainable cleaning supply brand where they just send you the little tablets and you drop it in the glass bottle for your cleaning uh, sprays and whatnot. So the appetite is higher than ever before for, you know, awareness of things like plastic pollution, et cetera. And now SC Johnson, a major, a major corporation is bringing those refillable Windex, that refillable Windex product back on the market because the appetite is there. And I think that that's just, that's just so telling that the opportunity to change for change exists. Like companies, when, when they're, you know, whatever, feet are held to the fire, they will make the change if they have the right incentives in place. And the incentives are consumer behavior. Like that is the incentive is consumer behavior and it has to happen collectively. And so I, I, I want to really, you know, if anybody is listening to take anything else away from this, 
it should be the number one thing should be like individual change totally makes a difference. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Obviously, it has to happen collectively, but the time really is now for that opportunity for that like group movement to take hold. And part of that is because we're a more globalized world. Access to information is more global. There's so many different reasons, you know, as, as, as maybe as all the ills of society that come from a globalized information society, there are lots of benefits too. Um, and, and I guess the point is, is that it's 100% on the rise and, and people should recognize that and recognize that choices do matter. Like by no means will one consumer decision change the world. But one consumer decision can change the world when it's, you know, added up against so many others. Um, so it, it's really it's really just shifting that mindset. Exactly. Exactly. The mindset, the one action and say, hey, you know, my friend's going to do it. It's a snowball effect, really, is what it is. You know, it just one person yeah. doesn't. It rolls, it rolls, it rolls, it grows, it grows. And from a globalized perspective, we're seeing it everywhere, you know, and more and more, you know, the same thing. And, you know, previous episode, we were talking about slow fashion and, and the ethical treatment of workers, you know. 30, 40 years ago, people kind of heard about it. Now you can actually see a video of what those maybe workers are going through in other countries beforehand. You never know. Uh, And so it's it's growing on that front. And I think it's fantastic. But, you know, Mary Claire, I want to move forward a little bit, too, and and talk a little bit about how people can support, how people can use, how people can log in, how they can get on. You've talked a little bit on it. But, you know, how can people listening, they go, you know what, Mary Claire's on to something here with the Cluey team and what they got going on. I want to be a part of it, use their brand and and get that information and access to resource to be part of this kind of movement and and buy from brands that, you know, share my values. So. I guess uh, the the first and, and easy question to kind of go into it is if I'm a consumer, if I'm listening right now and I'm going, oh, this sounds great. What can I do to get signed up and, and logged in and, and to start using your platform? We'll take it a quick break. And in this episode, we're talking all about being a sustainable consumer and utilizing a tool like Cluey to help empower you to make better buying and purchasing decisions that align better with your values. But I also wanted to step in and talk a little bit about a few actionable tips that you can be doing to become a more sustainable consumer. So number one is you can reduce the amount you drive. So if you live in a city that has decent public transportation, think about utilizing that public transportation a little bit more often, or at least start thinking of ways that you can carpool to help eliminate the amount of cars that are on the road. Another thing that you can do is invest in reusable items and actually reuse them, that being the key a component of that. You want to make sure that if you buy a reusable grocery bag, for example, you use it 12 to 15 times so that you can make up for it and ensure that you are actually reducing your carbon footprint on that front and not just using it once, storing it, never using it, and then buying another one because you forgot it at the store and you don't want to buy a plastic bag, right? Number three, be more conscious of your food choices, right? You want to make sure that you are being conscious of where you're buying your food, where that food is being sourced from. Is it having a big carbon footprint in and of itself? So in this area, I recommend trying to shop for local food and food that is sourced locally. Incorporate slow fashion options. Now, this is another great idea, and you can use Cluey to help do this and other things as well. And that's to ensure that you are shopping with slow fashion style brands. If you need to get new clothes or anything, of that nature in avoiding the fast fashion and avoiding buying things just to buy them. Make sure that you need them to buy it. Uh, And also this one kind of ties into the third, think more local. That's right, we want to reduce the amount of transportation costs, reduce carbon footprints where we can. And you can solve a lot of these issues by thinking more locally, which is also fantastic because you're also helping your local community, right? If you can go get something from the local store, do so. If you can get something from the local farm, do so. And this will really, really help to kind of reduce things and help make you a more sustainable consumer. So let's dive right back into the podcast and wrap up. First and foremost, you can find just about everything at ChloeConsumer.com. Um, if you know if you're a big uh, big social media user, you can check us out on just about every social media platform. Our handle is almost always. I actually think it is always Cluey Consu- at Cluey Consumer. Um, you know, in our Instagram page, we have tons of resources in our link in bio. Um, we really try to not just present information, but also provide educational opportunities. We really want to elevate uh, everyone's consumer literacy and digital literacy in this growing and changing world. Um, so we want it to be more than just learning about specific brands. We want to be very engaged with anyone who wants to who wants to engage with us, as I mentioned. So check out the website. Uh, check out the social media page. If anyone's particularly interested in understanding more about Cluey, 
um, from a different perspective, if they want to see about opportunities to partner with us, I encourage them to reach out to me directly. My email inbox is wide open. It's maryclaire at chloeconsumer.com. Uh, you can also hit me up on LinkedIn as well. So uh, those would be all the ways that, that folks can get in touch. Plenty of options, plenty of easy options for you to jump in and, and get involved on this platform. So at your own convenience, if you will, for all those out there listening on that front. Mary Claire, I'd love to hear a little bit, too, uh, about what your kind of plans are going forward for Cluey. You know, what are some of the things that y'all are working on now, the challenges that you're trying to overcome and and to push forward uh, into the future to really kind of grow this company, grow this brand and, and enhance your, uh, your product? Absolutely. I, I think right now a, a big thing that helps us grow is spreading the word. And so, um, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this as like a, a journalist or somebody who writes a blog, you know, it's, we want to get on as many people's radars as possible, because we do think that this really has uh, its moment in the sun. And that moment is not going away by any means, but we want as many people to know about it as possible at this time. So exposure is, is a big thing for us. Um, so thank you, Will, for having us on this podcast. Um, another thing that we're you know looking into, of course, is is this is not you can't unfortunately you can't run an operation like Cluey for free. Um, you know it, we have to license really high quality data that we're ingesting into our platform. We have to have a team of folks who are uh, aggregating and translating and making sense of that data so it's easy to understand for the consumers. And then, of course, we have to hire engineers and technologists who can help build a user-friendly product. Um, so with that said, you know, one of our big questions that we've been thinking about is how do we keep the lights on? How can we uh, run a sustainable business operation and one that we're proud of? So one thing that we're starting is actually uh, starting affiliate partnerships with certain brands that score above a B minus on both their people and planet scores. So we're limiting, you know, we want to maintain and retain uh, confidence in the uh, positive impacts of the brands that we're partnering with. And the other great thing that we know that we can kind of trust and lean into those recommendations is that our data is based on third party sources. So we're unable to influence that data, which means that we feel confident that it, it removes the bias uh, from us partnering with those brands. So we're starting to explore those options in partnering with some brands. And then down the road, we'll also look into other options. Um, but we'll have some exciting blog posts about those changes uh, coming up on the website. So I encourage people to check it out. I'm pretty sure the blog post will be titled Transparency First, How Cluey Makes Money. Um, that's what we're all about is transparency with other companies. So we, of course, want to set the tone and being transparent ourselves. Um, so that's a big change. And then down the road, there will hopefully be plenty of technology updates, product updates as it relates to where you can access Cluey, how you can access Cluey, um, cool feature upgrades. Those are in the works. So I'm not going not gonna to spoil the surprise yet, but those will, of course, be communicated. If folks can, like I said, engage with us, they'll be in the loop on those future changes as well. Awesome. Yeah. You know, the one thing that I'm learning, at least from a lot of these consumers and whatnot as well, is that people don't have a problem spending money on companies and brands that are transparent, that are providing a really good value for people and planet as well going forward. So I think that's another really good uh, kind of shift in movement we're seeing in our kind of more capitalistic society is a lot more, I guess, uh, conscious decisions on that front too. So I think that that's great. And, and Mary Claire as well, just to, just to clarify and, and make it clear to people as well, is this just a, a web-based platform only, or is it, a, can you download the app, put it on your phone? How does it work? It is right now a web-based platform only, um, but it's mobile web-friendly as well. So if you're browsing on your mobile browser, you would be able to access it in a mobile view. You can, um, excuse me, I shouldn't say only, there is one other option. You can download our Chrome extension. If you're a big desktop user, and you love browser extensions, I highly encourage you to download the Cluey Chrome extension. What that ultimately does is that as you're surfing the web and you know Cluey's not top of mind and you're shopping maybe at like lululemon.com or something along those lines, you'll get a notification pop up as you're on that page saying, hey, we have information about that brand and you can open it up to see what the score is and see if there's a better alternative. So that's a great way to keep Cluey and conscious shopping top of mind even when you're not on our website. Um, and then the other other big way, of course, is making sure that you've engaged and, and submitted your email um, uh, on our onboarding on the site. So that way you will get those emails from us, recommendations, et cetera. That's our third main way that we engage with folks directly. Awesome. Get that uh, browser extension. For those that don't use them or, mu or much, it's kind of like an app for a, uh, a desktop laptop computer these days. It's really easy. You just go, you download, and then as you're shopping, it'll just pop up the information. Super easy to use. So I recommend uh, getting those browser extensions if you can, if you aren't super familiar with them. Uh, it's not very difficult. We'll, of course, have links for that uh, throughout the 
week on our um, link tree and our links uh, available on our uh, platform as well for the podcast there. So Mary Claire, uh, anything else going forward that you would like people to know about when it comes to Cluey and what you all are trying to accomplish and are doing over there and, and any information that you'd like people to know? Uh, you know, no, I think we, we really covered it all. Um, you know, you have mentioned a couple of times the importance of small steps adding up. And, and I think I told this story to you or this fact to you that I learned before the podcast started. So I'll end with this fact. It's a fun fact that a friend of mine had just recently learned from a book they're reading. Um, but basically, a domino uh, can knock over a another domino that's 50% taller. Um, so if you started with a two-inch domino and then you stacked up dominoes after that first domino with ones that are 50% you know, taller each time, you would only need 57 dominoes to lined up back to back to get to the moon. Um, I know that sounds crazy, but I did the math and confirmed it's actually true. Uh, and that just shows the power of individual action adding up. And I, I want that to be to be clear that that exponential growth and that exponential change happens by small steps first. And so I encourage everyone, if you're interested in this movement, it just starts with a small step. Um, and I hope that you start that step by coming to cluedeconsumer.com and learning a little bit more. Thank you so much, Mary Claire. I love that. The domino effect. It's fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Really enjoyed this episode and appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Will. That is the CEO and founder of Cluey, Mary Claire Manor, joining us here on the Talking Solutions podcast. She's got a fantastic solution to help empower consumers and give them information about their favorite brands and to make uh, better or more conscious decisions based on your own individual values. So it's a great platform for you to get all the information on that grading scale that she talked about and uh, make sure going forward that you can be a bit more of a conscious consumer, make more educated choices with whatever aligns with your value. So be sure to check them out at cluieconsumer.com. That is Cluey, C-L-U-E-Y, consumer, C-O-N-S-U-M-E-R.com. And then of course, on their social media, as she mentioned, everything Cluey Consumer. So you can just uh, type that in and you can find that on across the social media pages on that front. But I'll make it easy for you. I promise if you just head over to the Instagram channel, uh, we'll have a link tree for it or the website as well. And you'll be able to get direct access to uh, those links into Cluey if you're interested there. So thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Talking Solutions podcast. If you enjoyed it, would always appreciate a subscribe, hit that button and then a rating as well. And I look forward to bringing more positive solutions from fantastic impact driven founders into the episodes as we move forward into the future as well. So thanks so much for listening. And I will speak to you in the next episode of the Talking Solutions podcast. Thanks for listening to the Talking Solutions podcast. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode and check out all of our guests on our website at cheshtech.com. That's C-H-E-S-H-T-E-C-H.com to learn more as we continue our mission of supporting impact-driven founders. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Talking Solutions Podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Talking Solutions. If you liked this episode, I'd really appreciate a review and a recommendation to a friend as we focus on highlighting these great founders and individuals providing solutions to societal problems and bringing optimism into the world.